Hello and welcome to Ag PhD Radio. I'm Darren Hefty. And I'm Brian Hefty. Thanks for joining us today. Today on the show, we're going to talk a little about corn diseases. But you know what? I don't care what your crop is. It's subject to getting disease at any point, And many of these diseases actually can occur in a lot of other crops besides just corn. But we'll focus a little bit more on corn than anything else today. If you've got any questions for us or anything you'd like to talk about that's going on in your farm, just call us here at 844-44-AG-PHD. That's 844-442-4743. You can email us, radio at agphd.com, or send us a note on Twitter, agphdmedia, Darren Hefty or Brian Hefty. We are live in the Morton studio today, and on the little sheet that I have every day right in front of me, at the top it said February 11th, 2020 corn diseases. So I realize it's the year 2020, but when I first looked at it, I thought, huh, that actually could mean there are 2,020 corn diseases, and Darren, I wouldn't put that out of the realm of possibility. Well, not necessarily, <laughs> Brian, not quite that many, but I would say this. As we start the show today, if you're listening, if, even, if you're not driving, uh, you can do this, but if you are driving, pull over to the side for just a second. Uh, I got a little assignment for you that if you do it right away, uh, it could help you out this year. Download the free Ag PhD Corn Diseases app. We put together a great app along with the American Phytopathological Society, uh, or APS Press. Uh, they did a great job getting pictures of all these diseases, uh, helping with descriptions, uh, talking about where you're going to find them, talking about how to stop these diseases, how to fix your fields up ahead of time before you put corn in the ground in 2020 so these diseases are less likely to be a problem for you. So download that app today. You can even follow along as we're talking to some of the guests on the show today or with some of the questions that are certain to pop up about gray leaf spot or tar spot or some of these different diseases that are out there. And you can look them up and see, oh, here's what it looks like. I remember that. I've seen that one before. Or I don't know anything about that one. I can learn a little bit more. Download the free Ag PhD Corn Diseases app. It'll really help you on your farm. All right. I don't care what crop you raise, but if you want it to have less disease issue, I want you to translate this to or think about human health in general. Okay. So as human beings, when are we more likely to get some disease? Well, if, or let's turn around the other way. How are we less likely to get a disease? If we eat better... If we exercise, if we stay in shape, if we get a good night's sleep, if we reduce stress. So think about all those exact same things in your crop. How can we help the crop eat better? Well, what that really means is we've got to have a good balance of nutrients out there, and you have to obviously have an ample amount of nutrients too. So where I'm going with this is think about how you as a human being take your vitamins every day, or at least hopefully you do. What's in those vitamins? Have you looked recently and looked at that little bottle? What's in there is very commonly almost the same thing as what we want to feed our plants. But I would ask you this. When you bought your fertilizer this winter, did you run through a list of about oh, 15 or 20 different nutrients like you would on the vitamin bottle? Well, most likely you didn't. You probably just talked about N, P, and K. All right. So then go beyond that. What else do you need to do? We want to make sure that we have good drainage. We want to make sure that every plant has an equal opportunity out there to to thrive. So in other words, we got to do a good job planting, have even spacing, have the right planting depth, all those kind of things. I mean, 
ultimately, yeah, you might have to spray a fungicide out there for a fungal disease, just for example. Okay, but that's worst case scenario. We want to try to keep the crop as healthy as possible all the way along, and then there's less chance that you need a fungicide later on. So we'll talk about corn diseases all throughout the show today. Again, if you want to call in 844-44-AG-PHD, that's exactly what Dell did. Uh, hey, Dell, how are you doing today? I'm fine, thank you. Excellent. So is it Michigan you're calling from? Yes, that's my home state. I'm a truck driver, sir. All right. Yeah, no problem. So uh, where are you at today? Are you driving through the countryside? I'm going across the mighty Mississippi right now as we speak, going into Cape Giraldo. I just come through the beautiful land of Iowa. Oh, okay. Yep. So heading I mean, down I'm through sorry. Missouri. Yep. Yes, yes. All right. So I hear you've got a question about sweet corn? Yes. I get smut periodically Okay. in my home. It's just a garden, fairly large garden, and I like to sell some sweet corn. Sure. And nobody likes to see smut, or I don't like to even have it on my <laughs> corn. What, what am I doing wrong? All right. Go ahead, well, one, one thing about smut is those spores can overwinter. So if you're planting in the same spot every time with the corn, uh, there are some spores that are laying there on the ground that could pop up and, and catch on the next crop. Are we better than, Darren, do you think, to do big-time tillage? If he sees a smut issue one year, should he do big tillage to really bury that smut Well, you could. Forward? You could always do tillage. That's what our grandparents okay. did when they had a problem. They did some tillage. The other thing is don't go too crazy on nitrogen. When you've got excess nitrogen, uh-huh. that's one thing that can get your excess manure application. If you have any kind of injury to the crop, whether it be herbicide the one or thing. if you've got a lot of wind damage out there, that can be a problem. Yep. So, you know, how we get that damage a lot of times is just like Darren said, too much nitrogen. That means the stalk is too thin for what we're trying to support there, which hopefully is this great big ear of sweet corn. So usually we we can fix those issues by having much more potassium in the soil and then also some manganese and copper. But I would do a soil test out there. And if you want to send that to us, we're more than happy to take a look at that. But our guess is your your potassium is low. Maybe there was a little too much nitrogen and then maybe a little bit of damage. That could have been animals. That could have been even just bumping it. You know, if you're out gardening, you're, you're trying to kill weeds, whatever, any kind of damage at all. And that's usually where smut pops up. Thank you so much. Appreciate your show. You bet. Thanks, Dell. Drive careful. Really appreciate you listening to the show today. Yeah, sweet corn is going to be the same kind of thing, Brian, that we were talking about with field corn. We've got to be concerned about diseases. And like you say, when you've got a food crop that people are going to directly eat, you're not feeding it to livestock or something like that, it becomes even more important. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, again, it's it's balance of everything that we've got out there, just like in human nutrition. Well, our assumption here was, in his case, it was most likely a little too much nitrogen, not enough potassium, manganese, copper. Fix that. And generally speaking, your plant's going to be uh, less likely to get that smut tissue. We'll continue talking about diseases on today's show. You're listening to Ag PhD Radio. You deserve to have a building that will last for generations. With more than 110 years of experience and thousands of satisfied customers, Morton Buildings is the industry leader you can trust. Unlike other construction companies, you work with Morton Buildings craftsmen. From conception to completion, there's no better time to buy. Lock in your new building for 2020 today. Contact your local Morton sales office or visit mortonbuildings.com. 
Customer service goes a long way when trying something new. Ryan Shaw from Michigan shares how Soil Warrior helped him transition to strip tillage in his operation. The Soil Warrior guys, they are amazing to work with. They made this jump in this transition extremely painless. One question that I get all the time is, how is the service and everything? And I said, well, actually, I get better service from them than I typically do my dealers uptown. They're just amazing. More info at SoilWarrior.com. Bean growers continue to see yield loss from white mold across the Midwest this season. To maximize next year's crop, a white mold prevention strategy that includes Contans WG Soil Fungicide is a must for your farming operation. Applying Contans this fall to reduce the sclerotia in the soil is the most effective way to stop white mold at its source. Start a Contans white mold control strategy this fall or pay for it later in lost yield. Find your full potential and increase your bottom line with branded generic fungicides from Atticus LLC. Fungal diseases can be devastating, but Acadia, Slant, and Talaris 4.5F from Atticus deliver lasting, broad-spectrum fungi control so your soybeans, sugar beets, and dry beans can thrive. Growers across the region count on Atticus for relevant and reliable products that deliver results every time. Ask your local retailer about Atticus products and visit AtticusLLC.com to learn more. For value-based solutions you can trust, turn to Atticus. Always read and follow label instructions. Back, you're listening to Ag PhD Radio, broadcasting from the Morton studio today. We're talking about corn diseases and how to protect your crops this season. We're also taking your calls and questions at 844-44-AG-PHD, or you can email us radio at agphd.com. We've got Nick Hustedy with us right now with FMC. Nick, thanks for joining us. Yeah, appreciate the opportunity to join today. Now, one of our Ag PhD Winter Workshops, we were talking about some of the newer products that are out there, and FMC is certainly on the board with some new things happening with fungicides. Can you talk to us about what's a little bit different with the fungicides you're bringing to the market? Yeah, so the key um, advantage or, or difference in terms of a lot of the fungicide concepts that we utilize would be Futrifol. So that's a very systemic triazole chemistry. Uh, so we've got a couple of new products that uh, we've been looking at. Lucena was one that we launched last season. Uh, did a very nice job on frog eye leaf spot where we had some pressure there. And it's a premix of an SDHI and the triazole. So kind of getting away from that strobearing component and uh, we're trying to head off some of those resistance issues that we're dealing with. Zyway is going to be a new one for us. So that's a totally novel application strategy for Futriafol. We're actually looking at in-furrow applications and seeing foliar disease protection in corn from that in-furrow treatment. You know, that's an interesting one, Nick, and we've talked about putting fungicide in furrow now for a number of years, especially when we're planting early. We've seen some really big gains with that, but I think what people don't understand is the window of protection. You're going to protect that young seedling for quite a while. Yeah, and that's key. You know, when we think about some of those early infecting diseases like anthracnose, it's going to overwinter in the residue. You get those early spring rainfalls and splash and inoculum them up on those young plants. It can cause top dieback and, and stalk rot later as well. So if we can protect that plant early, uh, really keep the inoculum load down and slow the progression up the plant, we're seeing some pretty amazing things as it relates to in-season protection. You talked about the flutriophal, and a lot of guys don't don't totally understand what that does and how that's different. We've seen some pretty long-lasting control in the work that we've done. Uh, what's been your experience with that? 
Yeah, so the light really kind of clicked on for me in 2018. So it was when we were first looking at uh, Y6981, which was the developmental code for Xiway. And so we did some work really to test crop phyto, make sure that we were safe, and determine if we had any activity on some of the true fungi in the soil, like our Isoctonia. Um, but when we came back to rate, it was right around R4, really saw some impressive gray leaf spot control. And then as we got close to black layer, it was extremely visible. You know, from a tech person perspective, when we see green pots versus plants that are pretty much given up, um, very exciting to uh, capture and, and be able to talk about that at some of our meetings. That is really exciting. I think about the timing that you would put these products out there and likely making multiple applications depending on what you've got for disease pressure. When are you really targeting, Nick? When would you like to see growers do this for the most return on investment? Well, you know, I think that it's going to vary a little bit upon disease spectrum. So in the northern part of my geography, you know, northern Illinois, northern Indiana, we do have some tar spot epidemics that have been cropping up. Uh, Things really got going in, in 2018, so we had a lot of inoculum out there, and we had some epidemics that were a little bit more isolated in 2019, but with tar spot, timing is so critical, and uh, the latency period is about 14 days, so oftentimes we're too late when we decide to pull the trigger if we've got any pressure out there. So potentially we see an opportunity with uh, you know inside-out type disease protection with Zyway, um, in furrow, and then following up as needed with an R1 type application to finish out the season. But in terms of the overall general spectrum in corn, we, we do like that R1 application um, to help us keep that ear leaf and above area clean of diseases and allow that plant to you know collect the sunlight produce photoassimilates to, to fill the grain. As soon as you start talking about those R1 applications, I think about guys that want to put a little shot of foliar fertilizer out there. I also think of a lot of insecticide applications. We hear a lot of guys putting Hero and other products out at that timing. What is compatibility like with fungicides? So we've done a lot of uh, fungicide insecticide application um, tank mixtures, and of course, kind of depends on what the insect spectrum looks like when you're coming out, particularly with an R1 application. You know, we've had more corn earworm issues in certain areas, so that's a good application timing in that regard. Um, but we got to be mindful of, you know, we're, we've got some drier conditions, maybe some spider mites, things like that out. we got to be mindful of not flaring those types of populations, and aphids as well. So the bifenthrin component in Hero does have some mite activity if we can get the use rate up. Um, so that's a, a good opportunity to go ahead and tank mix with the fungicide but certainly has to be mindful of exactly what we're dealing with before we pull the trigger. I'm not looking forward to all these challenges in corn, but I am looking forward to getting corn up and growing. I'm ready for spring for sure. Been talking with Nick Hustedy with FMC. Nick, thank you so much. Really appreciate having you on. Yeah, appreciate the opportunity. You bet. Got Travis Gustafson with us right now with Syngenta. And Travis, we were talking about getting coverage to provide disease protection. When you look at a lot of these foliar diseases in corn, it really is getting that coverage all the way down to the ear leaf. What are some of the strategies that we should consider for doing that? Um, well, with most, you know, most aerial applications, that's where we're probably going to be putting our um, fungicides on with. Um, really need to make sure that, that we got the gallons out there. I know um, a lot of labels will say minimum of two gallons per acre for the application volume. Um, anything better than that is going to increase your coverage. So we've got uh, two two gallons is fine. It's going to protect us, um, but five gallons would be better. Um, but on the other hand, most fungicide labels do allow chemigation. So if you've got an irrigation center pivot option um, running that 
product through a pivot, and it you know it'll get all the way down um, uh, to the ear leaf and beyond. So there's a there's a couple different options we can we can do with fungicide application and getting that good coverage. You know, Nick was just mentioning resistance, and I know that's been a big focus for Syngenta as well with multiple mode of action products. Can you talk about uh, both your new products, the Miravis products, but also Trivapro? Right. So um, two new products are fairly new products on the market. Trivapro, um, I'll go ahead and start with Trivapro. Um, that's got uh, three modes of action, an SDHI chemistry, a strabilirin, and a triazole. So two preventatives and a curative. Um, Trivapro is going to be our, our go-to recommendation for corn. It is labeled on beans as well, but that's going to be our recommendation on corn just for the disease spectrum that it handles. Sure. Um, you know, both uh, both products offer the plant health benefits. Um, you know, Miravis Neo has the same, or not, it's a different SBHI, but the same three modes of action. Uh, but we're putting that one more on the bean acre just because it's a little better fit for beans with its disease spectrum as well. So we got two good products on corn and beans, and they each have their um, specific advantages. You know, when you look at Trivapro, we've got multiple modes of action, and we've got a pretty long-lasting product out there. When you look at plant health, we get a lot of questions about plant health. What components there are really bringing it? Because we've heard about the strobes quite a bit, but these SDHI chemistries have got something to offer too, don't they? Right. We've been doing a lot of work on the plant health side of things with our SDHI chemistries, and um, lately we've really dug into the science on plant health with our straight goods uh, SDHIs uh, like a solatinol and a depidin. And we're finding that those products offer pretty much the same plant health benefits the strobes do when it comes to water use efficiency, um, some, uh, you know, the ethylene uh, production benefits where you can keep that crop greener longer. And because those two AIs, the solatinol and the adepidin, have really long residuals, we're able to get those plant health benefits longer into the season uh, towards, you know, through grain fill and a lot longer lasting benefits from those two products. Now, one of the questions we get is about that V4 to V7 time period. A lot of growers making their herbicide applications. What do you think about that for disease? And also, what do you think about that for plant health? I think it's a good option for both disease and plant health, especially this year when we're looking at probably quite a bit of disease inoculum from, from last year sitting there in the soil. If we can uh, protect the plant earlier in the season from disease, you know, splash up from rain, uh, getting those spores on the young tender leaves, if we can protect disease development at the early stage, we're going to have a lot less inoculum coming in at that the grain fill timing and tassel timing. So it, uh, it will result in a healthier plant later on in the season. Um, but uh, so you get good disease control there. And then with the plant health benefits, you put that these fungicides on early and you're going to have a, a more robust stock, more robust root system. And it'll be able to handle, say we get a late drought or something like that. Absolutely. Um, that building that. Yeah, Travis, uh, run out of time here. I'll be right back after this. 
Hey, Bill, any advice to control tough weeds and rootworms? That's easy, Jim. Buy two, save three. Wait, for weeds and rootworms? Buy two, save three. Combine your Impact or new Impact Z herbicide purchase with a qualifying insecticide and save $3 per acre. Buy two, save three. That is good advice. For details, go to buy2save3.com. Impact, Impact Z, and Buy Two Save Three are trademarks owned by Amvac Chemical Corporation. All rights reserved. Impact Z is a restricted use pesticide. Always read and follow label instructions. You need a powerful herbicide to fight the war on weeds. Bellum is Rotam North America's mesotrion herbicide, and it fights against the annual broadleaf weeds attacking your cornfields. Winning this battle means higher yields, lower cost to you, and maximized profitability. For long-lasting residual weed control, check out Evinco, Vilify, and our newest mix, Rixa. For application, flexibility, and season-long control, that's Evinco, Vilify, and Rixa, powered by Bellum. For more information, visit bellumherbicide.com. That's B-E-L-L-U-M herbicide.com. How do you know when to run your grain bin fans? There's an app for that. With the Steps GMS app, you can manually turn your fans on and off from your smartphone. You can also configure the Steps GMS app to automatically turn fans on when the humidity or temperature is ideal to keep your grain in top quality condition. Save yourself some time and take the guesswork out of managing your stored grain with the Steps GMS app. Contact us at stepsgms.com for more information. What do you think of when you hear Palmer Amaranth or Water Hemp? If you use fierce herbicide in your soybean fields, you don't have to think about them at all. With two effective modes of action and up to eight weeks of residual control, fierce takes on even the toughest weeds like Water Hemp and Palmer Amaranth. Take control of your soybean fields and get incentives from Bayer Plus Rewards when you choose the power of fierce herbicide. Talk to your local retailer today to put fierce to work in your fields. Always read and follow label directions. The last thing you want after harvesting your grain is to spoil it before it goes to market. The Grain Temp Guard from Farm Shop MFG is a low-cost bin monitoring solution that tracks temperature and humidity and alerts you when conditions exceed safe thresholds. Visit farmshopmfg.com. We started utilizing the dual react system this year. You can adjust your speed and it automatically adjusts your sprayer tips. So you can slow down and you aren't building up huge droplets or you can speed up and you're not throwing a mist that's drifting. Hypro, helping you spray better. Revitech fungicide from BASF has been specifically developed for the selective soybean grower who doesn't compromise. If you think good is good enough, if you're okay with just achieving rather than overachieving, if average is your goal, this is not the fungicide for you. Revitech fungicide, brand new chemistry, three no excuse modes of action, zero modes of compromise. Sounds like the fungicide for you. Revitech fungicide from BASF, that's smart. Always read and follow label directions. Welcome back. You're listening to Ag PhD Radio, broadcasting from the Morton Studio today. We're talking about corn diseases, and we've got Paula Halabicki on with us right now with BASF. Paula, thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me. Well, there's certainly going to be a lot of disease inoculum out there this year, as a previous guest on our show just said. There's going to be pressure. So how do we protect our crop this year from those from those uh, inoculum that are out there? Absolutely. Yeah, it's going to be an interesting year based on what we uh, had this past season and the winter that we're having now. Um, but I think it's really all about field scouting and just making sure that you're actually getting out early enough in the season to identify some of that um, disease pressure that might be developing lower in the canopy. 
and trying to make sure that we can prevent it from spreading to those leaves that matter most, essentially, and and um, really trying to minimize those impacts on yields. You know, you think about something like gray leaf spot, and a lot of times we do see that in the lower canopy and then moving up. When we've got disease out there, we can't really heal leaves that are already uh, have brown tissue on them. But but what do we do at that point? Is it a combination multi-mode of action product that we would go with if we already see a little disease in the lower part of the plant? I think so, yeah. So like I said, it's really about making sure that we prevent that spread up to the more important parts of the plant. So if you're thinking corn, you know, the ear leaves and above are really the, the, the leaves that you want to keep greener longer. And so if you're seeing some disease pressure and inoculum and some lesions, um, lower in that canopy. As you said, we can't kind of reverse that symptomology, but we can prevent it from spreading upward. And so that's where we'd really want to try and choose a multiple mode of action product like Beltima fungicide or Headline Ant fungicide um, and apply them preventatively if possible to um, try and protect those important leaves. You mentioned a couple of products there. Headline Amp, I'm excited about because it came down in price this year, which as a farmer, I'm always looking for a deal, and especially when I get a premium Absolutely. product at a lower price. That's cool. But this Veltima is brand new, and I hear a lot of the high-yield guys talking about this that, wow, I won a contest, and this is one of the reasons I had this product on. Talk to us about the new one, and then uh, give us a little information about Headline Amp that we may not know. Absolutely. So Veltima fungicide is a brand new product from BASF powered by the Revisol fungicide active ingredient. And this is a brand new DMI or class three triazole um, and really setting, um, you know, resetting the, the bar for that class of chemistry. So um, Revisol fungicide really brings a lot to the table in terms of disease control, particularly for those diseases that matter most. So gray leaf spot, northern corn leaf blight, tar spot, southern rust really, really effective on those diseases. Really, um, honestly, a game changer in terms of protecting corn from, from those concerns. And uh, this two-mode of action product also contains the benefits of BASF plant health. And so you have that sort of one-two punch kind of protecting from that environmental stresses that are going on every day, as well as that disease stress um, and, and those yield robbers. And so in our uh, trials that we were able to conduct this year on farm with uh, growers across the country, um, we've seen very consistent results with Veltima over the untreated, obviously, but over some of the competitive products out there as well. How about Headline Amp? You're down in price this year. Where do we put that into the program? I think Headline Amp is still a fantastic product. Um, you know, it's really top of the pack if we're looking at all of the fungicides on the market today. And with that new um, revaluation of the price, I think really fits into a lot of our farmers, um, you know, operations and to match the goals that they have for their operations. So still bringing really strong yield results, BASF plant health benefits um, at a lower cost is really going to be advantageous for a lot of our growers and farmers out there today. Certainly a lot of yield data on that product has been proven for quite a few years. So, yeah, I, like I say, I like the low price. Keep those things coming, Paula. We really appreciate that. Absolutely. Thank you. All right. Thanks. Paula Halibucky with BASF. Let's head down to uh, University of Nebraska. We've got Tamara Jackson-Zims with us right now. Tamara, thanks for joining us today. Well, thanks for having me. I got a few tough questions for you, though. First of all, what diseases in corn are the biggest concerns for you? Because if you're nervous about them, I better be prepared to do something <laughs> about it in my field. 
Well, if you could tell me the exact weather conditions we're going to have, it would help out with that. <laughs> not 2019, Tamara. It's not <laughs> going to be like 2019. But let's just say, let's say we get kind of an average year. Say we get moderate temperatures mm-hmm. and normal rainfall for the year. So you know we're going to have some disease, but maybe it's not the worst year ever. What ones would be a concern for you? Well, every year we tend to see some gray leaf spot. And part of that's because that disease is widespread across the Corn Belt. Most of the diseases, though, that we talk about are caused by pathogens that overwinter. And so if producers are thinking ahead about which ones they might see, they might consider what they've seen in the past, because that's your most likely bet are those. And again, it depends a lot on the weather conditions. The only ones that you can't count on year to year are things like rust diseases common in southern rust that have to blow in every year. And so gray leaf spot, northern corn leaf blight, if you're in one of those areas. And then on the bacterial side, goss's wilt, that's important. And in some parts of the country, bacterial leaf streak. But if I, sh- I should mention, too, if you're in some of those eastern areas with tar spot, you're likely to see that again. We are kind of looking on the eastern horizon watching tar spot come toward us. And here in Nebraska. That was one of my questions I had for you today. Could tar spot move as far west as Nebraska? I think that's absolutely a possibility. And so if you watched closely how it moved quickly across Iowa in September, October of 2019, we got a real taste for how quickly it can move under ideal conditions. And for tar spot, that's cool and wet. And that describes most of our fall uh, last year. And so we saw it move across half the state. And that's, you know, reporting on data from Dr. Darren Mueller, one of my counterparts at Iowa State. And so I think there's even a chance it could already be here in some counties in the eastern fringes of Nebraska. But we haven't confirmed it yet. And I hope people will help us watch for that disease this year. Yeah, definitely one that we need to keep our eyes out for. Tar spot is a a serious concern. Now, when you look at 2019, you mentioned tar spot on this crazy, wet, cool year that we had. What else did you learn in a year like 2019? I think 2019 was a good reminder that some of the diseases that we may not have seen are still there. They overwinter, and whether or not we see them depends on the conditions. And when we had ample moisture like we did in 2019, we saw some crazy things happen, like we saw more physoderma brown spot than we may have seen in a lot of years. And it may have shown us that a few hybrids are more susceptible than we thought. We also saw in a few places here in Nebraska, we saw Goss's wilt uh, fire up. And some of those places, you know, we had a little light hail and damage. And so, you know, that's kind of what we normally see for Goss's wilt. But it's a good reminder that we can start managing diseases this time of year by selecting resistant hybrids. You know, we talked to a lot of growers last year that had some hail and had some of these issues. And once you've got Gosses out there, does it really ever go away? Can it last for multiple years in the field? Or is it more about did you see it last year? It seems that it's possible that that one can survive as long as the residue is intact. And so that's uh, that's one I would definitely keep on my radar if you've ever had it in your fields. And 
you know, when you start selecting hybrids, maybe that's one that I would have on the list to look for the Goss's rating. And, of course, most of these other diseases, too, do come back year after year. And so if you've had a big problem or you're at high risk for some of them, like if you're trying to do continuous corn or you've had a, a big problem with it in the past, I'd definitely include that in your list for hybrids that are resistant. Yeah, it's definitely on our list for things that we select for. We've seen gosses in the past. Hopefully it won't be a big deal this year, but you have to be prepared. I totally agree. We're talking with Ta- Tamara Jackson-Zims with University of Nebraska. Tamara, thank you so much. Really appreciate having you on. Look forward to talking to you again this summer. Thank you. Good luck, everybody. Yeah, thanks. Talking about corn diseases on our show today, I'd remind you again, download the free Ag PhD Corn Diseases app. We've got a lot of information on there about many of the diseases that we've talked about today and some more as well. Hopefully you don't see any of those this year on your farm, but if you do, you've got some pictures to compare to and hopefully some information to help you too. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. When looking for someone to help with your risk management, a key component to look for is patience. Patience to bring you along in the process at your own speed. Patience to learn about your operation. And patience to not only discuss what strategies may be effective for your plan, but why they would be effective. That's the strength of Grain PhD. I'm Darren Hefty. When you're ready to become more engaged in your risk management, Grain PhD can assist you with that process. Visit grainphd.com to learn more. You're all set with the 4x4 turbo diesel truck. How about some options? Spray and bed liner? Absolutely. Tailgate step and nerf bars? Gotta have them. Tie down hooks and stainless steel toolbox? You know it. Tinted windows? Of course. Options are good. That's as true in the field as it is with your pickup. In addition to taking care of tough weeds, new Open Sky herbicide gives you more rotational choices than ever before and an easy-to-handle formulation. <laughs> Goose deck tow package? Yep. Discover more Open Sky details at openskyherbicide.com. White mold, sudden death syndrome, root rot. If you raise soybeans, it may seem like you have all the cards stacked against you when it comes to disease. But did you know there is a new cost-effective seed treatment which can help prevent all three? Heads Up Seed Treatment offers a new proactive approach for dealing with fungal and bacterial diseases. Compatible with other seed treatments, hedge your bet against disease this spring. Ask your dealer for Heads Up today. To locate a dealer, visit headsupst.com. What do you think of when you hear Palmer, Amaranth, or Water Hemp? If you use fierce herbicide in your soybean fields, you don't have to think about them at all. With two effective modes of action and up to eight weeks of residual control, fierce takes on even the toughest weeds like Water Hemp and Palmer, Amaranth. Take control of your soybean fields and get incentives from Bayer Plus Rewards when you choose the power of fierce herbicide. Talk to your local retailer today to put fierce to work in your fields. Always read and follow label directions. You know a healthy crop is required for your best results. Simply put, balanced crop nutrition pays. AgriLiquid Fertilizers have the research, technology, and products to deliver those results. We also have an outstanding team of field agronomists ready to help you with your fertility decisions. AgriLiquid can help you maximize your yield potential effectively and economically. Visit agriliquid.com to find a dealer near you. Maximize your flexibility and control the toughest broadleaf weeds and grasses with Anthem Max Herbicide from FMC. 
With a wide application window in both corn and soybeans, and with an easy-to-tank mix formulation, Anthem Max is ready to go when you are. Visit fmcagus.com or ask your FMC retailer about Anthem Max herbicide. Always read and follow all label directions and precautions for use. FMC and Anthem are trademarks of FMC Corporation or an affiliate. Welcome back to Ag PhD Radio. Brian Hefty here along with my brother Darren. We are broadcasting today from the Morton studio talking corn diseases. But like I said earlier in the show, I don't care what crop you raise. You know that there's the potential. It can get disease in it. So like I said at the beginning, we just really encourage you to take a hard look at what you're doing for soil fertility. That's why a lot of the diseases happen is because of insufficient fertility. And again, it's not necessarily total pounds. It's the right balance of nutrients. So think a lot about the vitamins you take every day. Just seriously, pick up your vitamin bottle, look at the label, and then ask yourself, hey, am I doing these same things in my crop? Probably should be, or at least thinking about that, at least testing that, and then go from there. On top of that, have good drainage, do everything you can to control insects. Insect feeding is another major cause of problems, just like the, the uh, farmer we were talking to early in the show today about smut, why does that happen? It's almost always because of damage to the crop. Okay, so in other words, got hit by hail, got hit by a machine, by a person, by an animal. The point is we want to do everything we can to, um, to make sure that these crops are as tolerant to diseases as possible. Well, if they get insect feeding, it's just like you or me when we get a cut, okay, then what, what's the first thing we do? Antiseptic. I mean, we are literally putting medicine on ourselves immediately because we got a cut. Now I want you to think about those insects that feed on our crops. What do we do then? Well, that's this is part of the reason why we get diseases in crops is because it gets opened up. Every time a bug feeds on a plant, it's an open wound there. On top of that, any competition. So in other words, weeds. The more weeds there are in your field, in your field, the more likely your crop is to get disease. If it I mean, it's just like if you're at the dinner table and there are a whole bunch of other people at the dinner table and there's not enough food to go around. Guess what happens? You go hungry. If you keep doing that day after day, week after week, well, for a lot of us, we could probably do it for a while and we're going to be fine, okay? But let's say you're you're starving to begin with and then you do that. Well, now we got a problem. Now we're more likely to get disease. All right. So anyway, those are all cultural practices, things you can do on your farm that don't even necessarily have to cost anything, but it's going to mean you're going to have less disease. And it doesn't matter what crop we're talking. Also, I don't care what crop we're talking, use a good seed treatment. A lot of the diseases that happen, they don't, you don't see the symptoms for a long time. But the disease set in real early in the year. If you get that plant off to a great, healthy start, you're in good shape. So, I mean, seriously, I'd ask your seed dealer, whatever, whatever kind of seed you're raising, I don't care if it's corn or beans or wheat or anything, make sure you have a good seed treatment on there. That's really going to help you all season long. Now, later on, if you are worried about disease, you can spray fungicide. But here's the problem. If you wait until you see the disease, you're too late. You have already lost a bunch of yield. And that's the most challenging thing about spraying fungicide is you got to spend money and you don't know for sure if it's going to pay. So you just have to use your best judgment and say, all right, 
we know we get more disease when I've had a history of disease, when I'm going, let's say, continuous corn, when I have wetter conditions. That's one of the biggest things, wetter conditions. And it doesn't necessarily even have to be rain. Think about humidity. Do you know that, like, in my area where we farm, by Sioux Falls, South Dakota, and right away when you think South Dakota, you probably think prairie and you think relatively dry. Do you know that last year we were more humid than the state of Florida? We were more humid than Miami, Florida. That's a fact. We were more humid in July. We were more humid in August. So if I've got a, when you think right away about Miami, Florida, you think tropical. Well, do you really think South Dakota and tropical? You probably don't. I never have. But all I know is this. Uh, The last few years, we've been beating Miami, Florida in humidity right when all these crops are most sensitive to getting disease. So even, I mean, whether I have rain or not, it's not that big a deal. I just know that with damp conditions, I'm much more likely to have a disease problem. So anyway, this is part of why fungicides are paying better than they used to because our yield goals are higher and it just seems like our humidity has gone right along with that. Our humidity continues to get higher. So one of the best pieces of news that I got this winter as a farmer was fungicide prices are down. In fact, most ag chem products are down. And some of these fungicides are so cheap. I mean, literally, you now can get a full rate of some of these bare fungicides with their rebate programs for 4 to $7 an acre, a full rate. BSF took down their pricing on what what were their premier products, like Headline Amp, Preaxor. They're down like 20 25%. It's awesome. So I, I'm super excited going into the future knowing Unfortunately, we're going to have some diseases we're going to have to face. That's just the way it goes. But when the costs have gone down, and actually when you look at crop prices, um, they're not too bad. And with all these trade agreements signed, I really believe we're going to see increased crop prices in the future. That's a good recipe. Cheaper inputs, higher crop prices. Last thing that I want to mention is if you do happen to have a bacterial disease, let's say it's Goss's wilt or bacterial leaf streak, and almost all crops can get a bacterial disease, there's nothing that we can do about that, unfortunately, in most crops. We don't really have many bactericides, certainly ones that work effectively, consistently. So if you get Goss's wilt, I, I, I don't know really what to tell you. It's, it's trouble. So if you've had any kind of history of these bacterial diseases or you're really worried about it, talk to your seed provider about which varieties of whatever crop I'm planting are more tolerant to these bacterial diseases that I could get in my crop. Variety selection is your number one best method now uh, of control. Now, again, for a lot of the fungal diseases, we've got plenty of different fungicides out there. And it seems like we continue getting new fungicides all the time, different fungicides all the time. It's, it's really pretty exciting. And some of these fungicides are good. And like I say, they're, they're really inexpensive. So just to talk about uh, a couple of those, by the way, uh, there are, and we've, we've talked about these just a little bit on the show here over the last few months, but like BSF has Valtima and Revitec now. So Valtima is headline plus this new Revisol. It's a new triazole for corn. Uh, the Revitec is just Preaxor plus this new Revisol. Uh, that new triazole. And, and they're, they're talking about that primarily for soybeans. I, I mentioned already, headline amp and preaxor are way down. 
Um, Lacento is a really good one. That's got a great triazole top guard, one of the very best triazoles in the whole world, plus an SDHI. So, for example, if you don't like using a strobe because you go, well, kind of keeps that plant greener longer. I don't know that I really want that. Well, use a product like Lacento. You got two modes of action there. It's SDHI and it's triazole. Um, if you really want to go cheap, I mean, we're talking two, three bucks an acre, you could go with a, a generic of the old Quadrus. I, I mean, yes, it's a strobe, and yes, there's some resistance issues, but if you're just after, let's say, plant health and a few disease problems, that might be it. Really inexpensive. Um, Bear, I was telling you about some of their products. They've got, oh my goodness, it's, I, I just still can't believe their, their massive rebate program. Plus, in some cases, there were some price cuts. So Delaro's fantastic. That's got a whole bunch of Proline. That's a great triazol. And Gem, that's a strobe. So you can go that way. You can go Stratego Yields, just a, little, just a little different ratio, same products in there, just a different ratio than Delaro. Um, anyway, I, I would just say this. If you are worried about diseases on your farm, and let's just talk corn specifically in the timings here, you've got a couple of prime times where you can spray. The first is with herbicide. And as I say with herbicide, I should preface that by saying, or too late now. But anyway, I'll just tell you, if it was me, I would like to get the fungicide out there in the V6 to V8 kind of timing. So it's probably too late for for herbicide on your farm. I don't know when you are spraying and what product you are spraying, but what I'm saying is don't use a fungicide at V3. We haven't found very good results then. We found much better results with this early spray in that V6, V8, V9 kind of time window. Okay. Then the other timing I would encourage you to take a look at is at tassel or, or silking. Okay. So really we want full tassel. Now you certainly could spray two, three weeks after that as well. But those are the two best timings we've seen. The early shot, V6 to V8, and then at full tassel out there. A lot of times V6, V8, people are even running reduced rates, different products, whatever. By the time you get to tassel, usually you have to call in the plane, so it can get a little bit more expensive. But if you've got gray leaf spot, northern corn leaf blight, some of those really tough diseases, that's where the tassel application pays general disease issues. That's where the early thing pays pretty well too. Well, we're going to get to your questions in the Ag PhD mailbag coming up next. We know balanced crop nutrition pays. AgriLiquid has the research, technology, and products you need to grow a great crop. Plus the expertise to give you a recommendation based on your soils, your fields, and your goals. AgriLiquid has the phosphorus, potassium, and micronutrient products necessary to deliver the best results from a solid fertility program. Visit agroliquid.com to find a dealer near you. Your independent spirit is more rewarding than ever before. Unlike programs that require growers to purchase a particular seed brand or to bundle certain products, the FMC Freedom Pass program rewards you for making the best choices for your fields. Our exclusive agronomic rewards, performance assurances, application innovations, and product financing make it easier to protect your crops and cash flow. Visit your authorized FMC retailer or fmcfreedompass.com to calculate your potential financial incentive and learn more. When it comes to my weed control, I know a head start can go a long way. That's why I spray early, so I can keep control all season long with a Roundup Ready Extend Crop System. The system that makes the difference. This is my field. Choose the Roundup Ready Extend Crop System for control of more weeds than any other soybean system. 
featuring Extendamax herbicide with Vapor Grip technology to manage tough to control weeds, including up to 14 days of soil activity, along with the field proven performance of Roundup Ready to Extend soybeans. Now you have the right tools to extend your weed control and extend your yield with the system that makes the difference. Learn how you can put the system to work in your field when you visit RoundupReadyExtend.com. Extendamax is a restricted-use pesticide. Performance may vary. Always read and follow grain marketing and all other stewardship practices and pesticide label directions. Check local regulations for specific requirements in your state. Your land is a legacy, a challenge from those who tended it before you to build on their foundations. At Corteva AgriScience, we understand what it means to be the stewards of a legacy. We embrace the challenge of building on the foundation of Dow AgroSciences to maintain your trust, to bring new solutions, to help you care for your land. See how we can help build your legacy at rangeandpasture.com. How much yield and profit did you lose the moment you put your seed in the ground? A poor stand at planting keeps your crops from reaching their yield potential, and closing the seed trench behind the planter is essential to establishing a good crop stand. The Germinator Closing Wheel from FarmShop MFG is here to give your crop the strong start it needs for maximum yield. Act now to receive an early order rebate plus free shipping. Get ready for spring planting with the Germinator Closing Wheel. For more information, visit farmshopmfg.com. Hey everybody, come on in. The Ag PhD Mailbag is about to begin. Having fun here at Ag PhD Radio today. Hope you're enjoying the show. It is time for the Ag PhD mailbag, and our phone lines are open at 844 44 Ag PhD if you would like to join the discussion or if you've got a question. Got one here from Alex in Southwest Minnesota. It's kind of got our head scratching just a little bit. Uh, Alex said, My agronomist made some conversions on this manure sample, basically taking parts per million, that kind of thing converting it over to pounds per acre. This is coming from our local wastewater treatment. It was applied at 12,000 to 15,000 gallons per acre. This particular field was prevent plant in 2019. We ended up getting a cover crop of oats in there, and then we got some tiling done. In the fall, we deep ripped after the manure was applied, and it's going to be planted into corn in 2020. Now, we did the same treatment to another field about 15 years ago, and that one can grow really big corn, but our soybean yields lag, and soybeans aren't very good in in that field after we did the application with this wastewater treatment stuff. At these high levels of nutrients, is there anything you'd recommend that I should be managing differently? I have the capabilities of doing a 2 by 2 on each side of the row on my planter. I can do fertility in furrow as well and I can also side dress the corn as needed uh yeah I don't think the conversions are done correctly so here here just for example let's take this this says the dry result and I don't think that's what we're going to be looking for anyway um, you know in this conversion I think we want the as received result but let's just even say that this was right 291 uh, parts per million. So, so what the the fear is, and yeah, I don't think they missed a decimal point or anything. They said thirteen hundred and fifty-two pounds of zinc per thousand gallons, and I'm like, no way, no way. I, I, I mean, unless all of a sudden they're treating all water with zinc, which they're not doing, that that can't possibly be right. 
So anyway, it's 291 parts per million, even as a dry result. The as received was 16 parts per million, and I think that's what it is. And so for every 1,000 gallons, I think you only have 0.15 pounds of zinc. But even let's say that the 291 is the answer. So And I apologize because I literally just handed this to me, so I'm looking at it super quick, and I don't know. I haven't even had a chance to read this all through. But let's just say it was 200. I can see 291 parts per million. And zinc. And milli it's milligrams per kilogram. So that's parts per million. Uh, all right, so 291. And if I take that and I divide that out by a million, and then I'm going to multiply that times, let's say it's 9,000. Uh, 9,000 pounds that 1,000 gallons is going to weigh. Okay, so water weighs 8.3. I don't know what this stuff weighs. Let's just say it weighs 9. Okay, so if it weighs 9, that gives me for every 1,000 gallons, I've got 2.6 pounds of zinc. And that sounds a lot more likely. Also, on the nitrogen side, I, I don't think the figure is right there either because what it's saying there, that's not parts per million. That's giving you percentage. So if I've got 9,000 pounds and let's say that it's 5%, uh, that's giving me a lot more. But again, here again, I still think it's on the as received. So if it was 5%, then I've got, let's see what, 455 pounds for every 1,000 gallons. So that's where I still come back to, I don't think that's right and how you're figuring it. I think it's the as received that you're after. And so I, I just, I, I, I think you better relook at these figures, especially on the zinc. It looks to me like you get the zinc way off. The rest of them, much, much closer, but zinc, that that can't possibly be right. I hope not. I don't know what would happen if you put that many pounds of zinc out in one shot. <laughs> well, I, you'd kill everything. Yeah. I and, just... and by the way, um, actually, I can tell you that real quick. If you give me one second, I have the, let's see, I got to think of where I've got this, the, uh, uh, for heavy metals. So if you take a look at heavy metals and what the legal limit is. So what was the last workshop, Darren, we did a heavy metals thing? Probably advanced. I, I know I have it in advanced soils. Give me well, one second here. I'll find it. We might talk about it on another show too. But Oh, we have talked about it in the past. All right. So heavy metals, here are the legal limits. Um, and this is in soil pHs above 6.5. The legal limit for one application and assuming his cation exchange capacity is above 15, is 124 pounds. That is the most that you can apply to a soil. So if it was 1,352, you couldn't even legally put that out there. So nobody's ever going to be talking to you about that, and I know that figure is not correct. I think what he, was, what he was figuring and where the mistake came, Darren, is he was looking at percentage instead of parts per million. Well, that throws you off 1,000. That's why. So if you literally take that number divided by 1,000, now I think you're right. Okay. Well, thanks a lot, Alex. Really appreciate that. And you may double-check those numbers. And, <laughs> Please double-check those numbers. <laughs> uh, well, it's already been applied, so if it has been applied, that could be that could be interesting. All right, uh, let's take this question from Russell. Russell's down in Mississippi. He said, first of all, I want to say thanks. I, I was streaming your soils clinic this year as an Ag PhD Insider subscriber. Really enjoyed that and appreciate that you did that. Uh, he said, I do have a fertility question for you. How much 1034-0 would you be comfortable putting down with the planter in a two-by-two? I'll give you some background. I've got a yield, lot. I've got yield goals of 180 N corn and 60 bushel of soybeans. I'm in no-till. From your fertilizer removal app, I see 180 bushel corn removes 63 pounds of phosphate 
and crop removal on 60 bushel soybeans is 44 pounds of phosphate. Uh, that's about 16 gallons of 1034 for corn and 12 gallons for soybeans. I'm in no-till, and the only way I can get pea in the ground is putting it on in this 2x2, two two, at least right now. Yep. So I'm wondering if I can do that amount safely. Okay, here's the challenge. That it, It's a lot of salt, and what's most likely going to happen when you put that much out there? Well, I said you can put a lot. I mean, 16 gallons is a ton. So, <laughs> not literally a ton, but you know what I mean. It is a lot of fertility out there. And what we worry about is a little root's going to go down there. It's just this tiny little root, and it's hoping to get a little bit of food, and it gets blasted by a whole bunch of salt and an overload of nitrogen because don't forget there's nitrogen in there and phosphorus but the salt's the real killer so if you have heard many of the really high yield farmers speaking over the last couple of years you may have listened to them say hey why don't you go instead of two by two on one side of the row go two by two on both sides of the row and in his case with the 16 gallons he wants to put on I, Darren, would be willing to bet that in one year he'd have enough yield gain to pay for the coulters he would need to get on the other side of the row, and probably more than that even. So I'm just saying, could you put 16 out? Yes. You are going to burn some roots off. I will guarantee you that. It's not going to be horrible, but you'll, you'd obviously lessen it if you could put eight gallons on each side. And I get get it, what you're after here. With no-till, you're stuck. You can't broadcast in no-till. That doesn't work with phosphorus because it's never going to get down into the root zone. And so you want to get it down into the root zone. I totally understand. I just wouldn't go that direction. I would go two by two on both sides of the row. That's what I would try to do if I was a no-tiller. Yep, I think so too. That's been working quite well for quite a few guys, even in light soils. So it might be something to try. Thanks, Russell. Well, really even more it. in light soils than the heavy soils. That's part of why I see a lot of these really high yield guys have lighter soils. So they're, things are more sensitive the lighter your soil and the less rainfall you have. So in a super wet year and very heavy soil, that 16 gallons is going to look pretty darn good. But any of your light ground and any time that it gets a little dry, you're going to have an issue with that 16 burning some roots off. All right. Thanks for the question. Got one here from Randy in Nebraska. And he said, on your show today, you mentioned a couple of new fungicides that I haven't even heard of before. I like to try new products, but I have also used Headline Amp successfully in the past. And my agronomist said the price came way down this year. So I'm excited about that. Yep. So I'm wondering what you'd recommend. Should I just use the proven product that's cheaper on most of my acres and potentially just split a couple of fields with new products to compare? Yep. That's absolutely what I'd recommend. If you're happy with something, why switch? But you do want to keep trying new things because you never know when you're going to find something that is great. So, yes, that's exactly what I would do is I would try the new one or, or new ones, whatever you want to experiment with, uh, in some strips or in a couple half fields, something like that. Yeah, we always like trying new things out on a small scale first. And one thing that our dad always taught us was the difference between farmers who are successful and those who are not successful is the size of their mistakes. Because we're all going to make mistakes and we don't know exactly what kind of year we're going to get or, or what's going to happen. We just don't want to make great big mistakes that take us out of the game. So, yeah, I, I don't think any of these fungicides would be this huge mistake or anything like that. But they do cost more money for the newer premium products. So you want to make sure they're worth it for you and your operation. Thanks for the question. Really appreciate that. 
Thanks to you for listening today. And be sure to join us again each weekday for more Ag PhD Radio.